Welcome on in. Ends well boxing. Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at protonmail.com. Ah, but of course you're welcome on in. We're about to wave goodbye to January. I hope this final episode of the month finds you safe, sane, and smiling. Kicking things off, not just on the podcast today, is Superfly himself, the big man Tony Brown. He got a fine win on the road in Belgium on Saturday night to go 2-0. Also on the same card, another brilliant knockout win for our guest from a couple of episodes ago, Vlad Belusky, to bring Conor Slater's lads, Stephen O'Rourke's gym and the whole lot to what is it, 22, 23 wins now out of 23. Incredible stuff and what a way to kick off 2021. Never want to let the grass grow under his feet. Donegal middleweight Jason Quigley confirms his bout with Shane Mosley Jr. goes ahead on February 13th at Fantasy Springs. Big, big test for the Donegal man. But when has he ever done it any other way? And a win of any sort in this one will be the foundation that Jason Quigley's year is built on. Not to be outdone. The OG, the big daddy himself, our main man Spike speaks some very wise words to the biggest, loudest clown in the circus right now as he offers to teach him what boxing is really about. And that right there, that's a schooling session I would pay to watch. Spike, if you're listening out there, which I know you invariably do, mate, I can't stop smiling at that. Genuinely can't. I, there's not many things I wish for. I don't want much or wish for much, but that... That would bring me quite close to making a wish. I, I would maybe let the genie out of the bottle for one, for that one. Let's watch and see, but don't expect a, don't expect a reply no more than Dylan got. Uh, this guy is more of a talker than a doer. Been a week, hasn't it? Been a week. Been ups and downs and sides and arounds and ins and outs. And... But we're still here. We're still going. It's um personally a little bit probably, probably the, I won't say the worst, but... Probably my least comfortable day of January was on, what day was it? Monday. Yeah, Monday I felt the angst. I felt I was biting the knuckle a little bit. And not for any particular reason, just just one of those days. So, got through it, got on with it, and we're here to tell the tale. And I know quite a few have it the same. I know quite a few have been feeling it, and I know quite, I'm sure quite a few have it an awful lot worse, so... Why don't you just let me, for the next hour or so, give you a laugh, see where we can go with it, pop the earphones in, and give me the privilege and pleasure of taking you on a trip into Podcastville with three top-notch guests. You know, if there's one thing that gets a boxer across with the fans other than being a world champion and a top-class elite boxer, it's to be the people's champion. And I don't think I'm overstating it when I say that phrase. That could very easily have been invented for these two. And we got Lada. We know, don't know a great deal about Lada. So what we've done is, if anything, we've kind of upped our game. One thing that I, could, I will guarantee is this, this, and we'll be there. We'll be ready. And whether it be Lada, anybody, anybody, to get him beat. You guarantee on 13th, we'll be there all night. Of course, that's Sean O'Hagan, the coach, father, Keeper, minder, teacher, <laughs> and probably thorn in the side of son, world champion, people's champion, and genuine top fella, Josh Warrington. Especially being over in Windsor Park when I went and watched Carl fight uh, Luke Jackson. You know, just seeing that first hand, the support, and and um, and how many people had time to, to shake my hand and say hello and talk about boxing. It's like it meant a lot. I'll tell you the story about that in a few minutes. On any other podcast, those two would be enough. No, not here, not at Ainswell Boxing. And I mentioned to you last week that New York-based clonus man Larry Friars was in the last stages of his camp as he prepared to fight former two-weight world champion Cuban Rances Bintalmi. I hope I pronounced that right. Larry joined me to chat about that, the fight before it, and the trials and tribulations, I guess, of his last few weeks and months.
We've got a couple of new sections in the who, what, where and when. We've got the boiling frog section and we've got lots more. So let's not hang around here too long. We had some brilliant feedback and reactions last week to the shoutouts. So when you're on a roll, we got to keep it going. First shout out of the new year to Dean Byrne. And thanks for getting in touch, Dean, as always. Not when well, I don't mention you every week. It's not that I'm not thinking of you or I'm not forgetting about you. Just got to mix it up a little bit. Big shout out on New Year one again. It's my favourite old Egypt. Billy Schwer across there in the UK. Going to hook up with Billy again really soon. Shout out and a thanks and a big up to Tony, Vlad, Steve and the gang that travelled across to Belgium last week for their fights. And thanks for being in touch. Thanks for your messages. Always appreciate it. Means the world. You may remember last week there was a little bit of a, I suppose a little bit of a personal one to Richard, who, uh, who was more than a bit surprised at his shout out last week. Thanks for the message, mate. Um, you've got a challenge on your hands now. You've got a job. You've got to roll up them sleeves and get stuck in because this this bus ain't going to drive itself and we're relying on you. So do what you got to do and we'll be on the road shortly, man. G-Train, Lauren, family, big congrats to you. And um, yeah, amazing news during the week. Brilliant to hear from Graham as always. We'll be chatting to him soon as well. Not There's that many guests to get through. It's it's brilliant. It's so good to get, to get in touch with all you guys early in the new year. Um, Dee Taggart across there in Liverpool back training with the phenomenally talented Junior Thompson if you haven't seen Junior Thompson get on your social media Facebook Instagram wherever the case maybe this guy can play football he can sing he can train dogs and he just so happens to be an absolute beast of a middleweight fighter get along there and have a look Junior Thompson you're going to see and hear an awful lot more of him in 2021 that is for sure Cliff Ella and all the Joyful Boxing crew thanks a million for being in touch. Thanks a million for sharing all the stuff. Thanks a million for just being friends. Thanks again to Stacey Copeland for your messages. Still hasn't really sunk in if I'm being honest, Stace, but um, look, it is what it is and uh, there's nobody better, nobody better to show people how to adjust and adapt to such horrible um, news and affliction, I guess, than, than the re- an early retirement. So big up to you and, and, and keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Jazza, my man, my man, getting these messages early in the night or late in the night, whatever way you want to look at it. Uh, neither of us sleep a whole lot and both of us are trying to get our, get to grasp, get to grips with this editing. We hate editing, but we're doing it and we're doing it in our own way. Big few days for him. Watch the news. Watch out 2021. Jazza Dickens is coming. To the big man in the van. Gary Wilmot, probably going to be listening to this on his way down the country, maybe towards the weekend, Friday, Saturday. Shout out to you, big man. Great to get in touch with you again after all that time. And great to share your thoughts and hear your thoughts and, and everything else. So, and the biggest one, the most meaningful one, the most heartfelt one. Gotta go to the man, Sean McComb, and his partner, Darla, who welcomed their new little fella into the world. You know, we've seen some pretty deadly photos of Sean McComb over the years with the tongue out and the eyes crossed and all sorts of bang bang gravy chips. But guys, these ones, these ones just take the biscuit. It's the daddy Sean McComb. Congrats to you. Congrats to Derva. And congrats to the little man himself. I have a feeling, as I said in text, mate, life is about to take on a whole new meaning to you. Something I have never been any good at is asking for help, reaching out. The growth, success and development of this little podcast is down to you. Listening to me each week, supporting, encouraging, getting behind. Go fund me, crowdsource, Patreon, the likes. Not for me. But what I will ask, and what I am asking you now is, once you finish listening to this, please leave a review, put the old five stars or whatever it is, simply just share the link. I'm asking each person who downloads, listens for this episode and each other episode, please share it. And share the love. Who, what, where, I suppose, is an attempt of mine just to give everybody an update as to who's in camp for what and what's going on. So, in a quick roundup, it's not in, nothing that most people don't already know, but just in case, Antok Kachi, of course, is in camp right now for his British title defence against Leon Woodstock on February 27th. Mick Conlon commenced his camp this week for a fight and an opponent to be confirmed. We know the Jackal, he's in camp for Jamal Herring, of course, on that same card as Anto Kakachi, February 27th. Sean McComb, Tyrone McKenna, Lewis Crocker, and Gary Cully all announced on an MTK card for Dubai on March 12th. Each of them, I think, contesting for European titles, and Lewis, of course, defending his own. Paddy Donovan and debutant Paul Ryan 
are in camp right now for the fight in Dubai also on an MTK card which takes Capelis on February the 19th and we'll also have Pierce O'Leary boxing on a February 9th card from MTK in Dubai as well so there's lots of action happening in the sunny shores of Dubai over the next few weeks so we're only about 11 minutes in and let me tell you it's all go it's all go and uh, I'll give you a little bit of a, give you a little bit of an insight into how plotting and planning a podcast episode goes my aim for the new year has been of course to try and get myself three four episodes ahead not a big fan of recording full episodes in advance because I'll be honest I want to try and keep everything relevant. I want to try and keep whatever news, information and details and stuff that I'm talking about. I want to keep it relevant. I don't want to be, I don't want listeners to be listening to a film I watched maybe a month ago that everyone has seen or, or six months ago. Speaking of films, speaking of films, you gotta get along. Boxing fans, Irish boxing fans, Irish film fans, people that have watched Lovehead, we all know who John Connors is. An absolute phenom of an actor. Massive actor. Massive, massive actor. He's getting bigger and better by the by every movie and every film. He's working now, of course, with John Duddy. But John John Connors is, of course, a former multi-nations champion and a demon boxer. And Tommy McCarthy has told the listeners on here a few times that how good John is and how good he was. But the acting world uh, called and John absolutely answered with a plum. But this movie channels all of the Tom Vaughan Lawler of course Nidge and and some incredible incredible there's times he flips that that um booty man or bad guy actor as as we would like to say in Newbridge years ago booty man um uh, it's just incredible to watch so Broken Law it's called if you get a chance it's on Netflix have a look at it John Connors shout out to you man and uh, thanks for the message as well appreciate it who knows who knows we might just catch him on here at some point in the future but he's a busy man with an exciting future um, but as I said, I was planning this episode, thinking, talking, looking ahead. I had a couple of things in mind. And within the space of about an hour, two messages, the whole plan for the episode changed. Everything I'd written changed. So maybe a little bit late going out on Wednesday. I, mean, I do like to aim to have it ideally on a Monday or a Tuesday. But look, when when um, quality guests and quality people come along, and, and uh, you get, you got to be flexible. you got to be flexible. And they're sat there now. The numbers of the old episodes climbing. So thank you to everybody that's listening. Thank you to everyone that's downloading. If we could just get a little bit, a little few more shares. I know, I know, never happy, but as I said, always appreciated. Um, but planning today's episode, got ahead, of course, we're always chatting to Sean. Sean O'Hagan has been on here with me quite a few, nah, couple of times, and we've chatted all the time uh, throughout lockdown, and we've shared bottles of rum and Captain Morgan's, and uh, look at some of the stories. Um they'll stay they'll stay um between us but uh great crack never any harm never any malice but the plan of course was to chat anyway got chatting to john and he something came up in the call and he says here hold on a second i thought he was in the gym didn't know where he was talk to johnny and before i knew anything he'd given the phone to the man himself to josh as well so it was a brilliant call brilliant conversation you're going to hear a little bit of it in a few minutes but as i said always thanks to sean he's got a busy stable He's got Reese Small going to fight Lee Wood. He's got a new, a, I think he's a featherweight, super featherweight, I think. Uh, Azif, I think his name is. Uh, Azif Khan, or Zif Khan, I think. He's due to fight soon, possibly for a Commonwealth title. And of course, we have Josh and all that you're going to hear in a few minutes about that. But kind of appropriately, I had planned as part of the episode initially to speak about the governing bodies, the sanctioning bodies, the fees, the belts, the titles, the demands that are being placed on fighters and champions these days it's 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 fast it has fast become a bit of a, a circus to be honest with you I mean, you've got the WBC who are bringing out belts for cats having kittens next thing I've said it on and on and on and I keep saying it there is absolutely no doubt in my mind we will see a YouTube belt at some point in time without doubt without doubt because the money and the eyes and everything else that they attract is everything that the governing bodies want and need. But where does it leave the real sport, the real boxing, um, the real competitors, the champions, the guys who aspire to be bona fide champions? Where does that leave them? When they see... I don't want to hate on them, so... When they see gamers and YouTubers and whatever else you want to call them, I'm not a fan and, and I... I I don't want to be... I've nothing good to say. I'm going to say nothing. 
But when you were a champion who was strived, striven all his life, striven, strived, whatever the word may be, all his life, to be that champion or to be a contender or to get yourself up the ladder into contention for fights and maybe make a living, hopefully make a living. But in a lot of cases, you've got a fella who is maybe working a job on the side, two jobs to train to make himself up there as a, as a, as a future champion or as a contender, hopefully. How do you think they feel when it comes along? Now, I've spoken to somebody recently who, I'm going to be honest with you, boiled me frog. His opinion was all about sales and marketing and numbers and Instagram and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, yes, yes, of course, there is a part of the boxing business which is about numbers. It has to be. But does that exclude talent? Should it be at the cost of talent? That discussion is being had quite an awful lot more lately. And particularly when the UFC comes to the fore, as it did at the weekend. And uh, I'm not going to jump on board there, their uh, gravy train, because I don't know anything about it. I'm not a UFC fan. Not to say I don't like it or, or I'm a hate. I just, it's, I don't know, I, I don't know anything about it. I did enjoy the fight at the weekend because, again, they were on their feet. It was a striking fight. And I like it. And, and i got to say... And hats off and hand on heart. Big up to Conor McGregor. And, and I've often said this. And, and people like to hate on him. People like to spread rumours about him. I don't know anything about him. I don't know anything about him. I know where he's brought himself from. I know where he's brought himself to. And I know where he is now. And for that he has to be congratulated. For the way he represents. He has to be congratulated. Now if there are stuff going on in his background. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know for sure. And I don't know is there anybody that does. But what I will say is, again, in, a, in an age where we're seeing Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton act like absolute disgracefully spoiled kids, blaming everybody for their faults and blaming everybody for just not being damn good enough. When you see warriors go into an octagon and the gate closed behind them, they know there's only one way out. And at the end, to stand there bloodied, broken, battered and bowed and to pick the mic and to be able to speak and then to come out, put your suit on, get your broken leg and pick yourself up and sit in front of the media and present yourself and talk honestly, openly and candidly about your lack of performance or the better performance of your opponent. That's got to be complimented. It's got to be complimented. And those are the type of people we need to see more of. We don't need to listen to snivelling, whinging, despicable politicians who just want to sulk because they didn't get their own way. We don't need to see them anymore. And trust me, in the new Boil My Frog section later on, you're going to hear a little bit about one of those. Just a little bit. But I digress. We go back to talking about the sanctioning bodies. Where now does the power lie? Is the power with the fighters who pay the sanctioning fees of these bodies for every single fight that they fight? Should they pay it? Should they continue to pay it? Should they be allowed to dictate the terms when you see in in the case of Tyson Fury expected within a week of beating Vla- Vladimir Klitschko the IBF wanted him to defend his title or start negotiating. It's not, it's not real. The same with Josh Warrington. He wanted to fight a unification fight between Kanzu and himself on the understanding that Kanzu was going to be escalated, es- elevated to super champion. Now, I remember... There's lots, so many fighters over time. Most recently, I can remember one argument in particular was with Scott Quigg, who was reputedly a champion. And that famous night in Manchester, when we were all there to see our man Carl Frampton do the job, he didn't want to know about the belt. Because Carl didn't consider it a title. I digress again. The governing bodies are making an absolute fortune from these fights. An absolute fortune for doing nothing. All they're doing is putting their belt on the line. And they've got more belts than pennies. So is it now coming to, a, coming to a head? Should it be a point? How does it come to a head? Who is to be the leader of it? It's hard to know. It's hard to know. I often, I, I do believe that the belt that everybody wants to win and the one that you're going to hear Josh talk about with such glowing passion is the Ring Magazine belt. Could it be the future for boxing? Could that be the recognised title? It can't be bought, it can't be sold, it can't be anything. It can be fought for when you're number one or three, one to three in the division. Can that be it? Could we see the likes of Dana White come in 
and basically decide no we're only we're not fighting we're not we're not paying any of those fees anymore because let's face it some of the fees are exorbitant whatever the case may be this young man josh warrington has been messed around he's been i would say <laughs> when you think in terms of sport everton of of boxing because everton in the uh, 80s in the late 80s when they were at their very best and they were winning titles didn't get to pit their wit. They didn't get to pit their wits against the best in Europe because, of course, the English clubs were banned. And Josh had the momentum. He had everything behind him. He had all the goodwill. He had all the wins. He had the momentum. And then COVID struck. Now I've heard Kid Galahad talk a lot during the week. I, let's get. I'm going to be honest here. I do not like Kid Galahad. I haven't liked him from back in the Carfranton days. I respected him for being a fighter at that stage. But the respect has waned quite an awful lot from my point of view. He is still a talented fighter. I'm not going to be blinded to that. But, but, how talented? Not good enough to win a world title. Beaten by Josh Warrington. Should have been disqualified on that night. If Phil Edwards was any sort of a strict referee, he was gone. If he was even being a fair referee, he was gone. Warned twice before the fifth round. All that's by the by. He was beaten, lost the fight, didn't have any qualms with it afterwards, but has developed qualms since. Quite some, quite some. He's thrown his ties out of pram that many times it becomes normal. And now, by throwing them out of pram, he's got himself as mandatory challenger again, within 12 months. Now, I said it in the interview here with Sean and with Josh. What about the likes of Jazza? What about the likes of Ryan Walsh, Liam Walsh? What about the likes of James Tennyson? What about people like John O'Carroll who have lost fights and it has cost them significantly that they've had to go back, maybe a step or two, start again? Not this fella. And, and, and what the big question here really is, why? Why? Why has he been allowed to throw a little tantrum and get his own way? I'd love to see some answers. I'd love to hear some answers or even some thoughts if you can get in touch and let me know what you think on it. But... It, Hold on to your earplugs here because uh, Josh and Sean don't stick a tooth in it. They call it for what it is. And from my point of view and in my opinion it is an absolute sham. And, and they have cheapened the belt by what they're doing. But we'll see what happens and we'll see where it leads in the future. A future that I think these governing bodies might just be a little bit concerned about. First guest today could almost be a live call. It's that close to, uh, pro- to as I produce and edit here. Literally just off the phone to New York, where Larry Friars is back home, having been in camp for maybe the, the guts of whatever, I suppose, six weeks. He was due to fight this weekend, and uh, long story short, he's not fighting this weekend. Um, the sign of the times that we're in and how, how business and everything else has gone, it just hasn't, hasn't materialised for him. So he joined me, and we spoke a little bit about the last few months, how COVID has been around New York, how New York is now since... And what you're starting to see is the rest of the world is now beginning to adapt and move on, whilst certain places aren't. And um, Larry was open and honest and we chatted more off-air, as much off-air as we did on-air. But uh, it's always, always great to chat with Larry and it's always great to have him on. And I know he enjoys the reaction and the feedback from the fans here in Ireland as well. So wherever you are and whenever you get a chance, if you're listening to this, while you're listening, maybe pick up the phone and have a look at Instagram or Facebook or whatever and, and, and drop them a line and just say you're thinking of them or, or whatever else because sometimes it makes a difference last time I spoke to this man was I'm told a little over but around about last June and he was headlong into a weight cut for the John Bowser fight that fight was a was a cracker a smasher brilliant to have you back on the show Larry uh, always look forward to chatting with you and uh, hope you're keeping well Thanks so much, but I love getting on this show and having a talk with you. You know, thank you. We've, we've become pretty good friends now, even though we've never had the honour of meeting face to face. But the conversation we have over the phone, well, you know, it, it, it's brilliant chats. Like, it's like we've known each other for years, you know. And I always, I always love coming on and getting a chat with you and seeing how you're doing. And you're very kind, though, and, and very much, very much uh, mutual. I look for, always look forward to speaking with you, and I always look forward to watching your fights. Although it always comes with it, I'm thinking. I always end up thinking, Jesus, would he just take? Would he just take an easy one? Like, would he just take one? Every time I'm looking at them, you're you're in uh, 
balls to the wall showdowns but you wouldn't have it any other way would you and that, and that Bowser fight was absolutely I mean the look on his face at the end of it <laughs> I think you it know, said it all yeah it's a uh, look I, I, I you're, you're, not the, you're not the first man to say that to me you know and people don't understand why I do what I do and you know why I take these hard fights can I not go and take the easy route but you know I, 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 I love fighting and what I also love is testing myself against the very best that I can and that's why I take the fights that I do because I want to see where I'm at you know what I mean it's nothing there's no other reason behind it other than I want to see how far I can bring this career and how far I can push it you know and the only way you can do that is by testing yourself against the very best and on top of that when you get in against the very best it usually ends up being great fights and thankfully you know I, I, I've gained a bit of a reputation for, for being an entertainer fighter and you know people enjoy watching me so with that that that's the main reason I love doing this sport you know is, is giving the fans what they want Lardy we chatted off air there about your idol and, and everybody and everybody that's ever loved boxing has loved Mickey Ward and I gotta say your style is a true throwback style it's, and the attitude is is to match it's like can fight will fight anyone anywhere anytime and that's it's it's in these times as well and I don't know I think it was Mark Dunlop I spoke to a while ago it's the, the approach now for fighters and matchmakers is um, they need entertainment because the day of a fella getting padded, a record padded for five, six, ten fights, it's gone, isn't it? It, it you know, to be honest, it's still there, but, let's, you know, it's, it's not the route that I want to go down. And, you know, I, I look, some guys do it, and you see a lot of guys could pad the record up there till, till 19, 20, and 0, and then they get the big world title shot because of that padded record. And then they usually go in and they get blown out in the first round. You know, um, my my take on it is this, you know, test yourself against the best you can possibly test yourself against. Take yourself as far as you can go. And by showing what you can do and the willingness to do what you do, that will lead you to the big fights. And then when you get in them big fights, you're not going to be starstruck and you're not going to be yeah. caught like a deer in the headlights. You'll be going in against a guy and you're going to give him the fight of his life. It's like when I fought your man Bowser, you know, he, um, in his previous, I, I think it was actually in every fight before that, he had never lost a round. I was the first fighter that he actually lost rounds against, you know. I only watched and that back that, again last night. I hadn't, I am, um, because I knew we were going to chat and I looked at it again and it, it was, it was like, it was blood and thunder and uh, credit to him, he, he did his best to match it, but you just knew at times he was, this was all new to him, you know, and that that wasn't something he was used to having. You know, and even after the fight, that his cup man got in the ring and he says, "Kid, you're fucking hard as nails." He says, "He says our guy has never been in a fight like that." He says, "That's been an experience for him." Now on the night, I was very disappointed in my performance in the sense that I knew it was saying on the night I just couldn't pull the trigger the way I wanted to. You know what I mean? And I knew I had the beating of him, but look. There's no point crying over spilt milk. Thankfully, I give I give a great account of myself. I put on a good show. I just wasn't happy with the overall performance because I knew I could have done better. But on the night, look, it is what it is. I I learned from it, and thankfully, I've been in the gym from it, and I've had a couple of camps, and um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I'm definitely. I know a lot of people say this, but I feel like now I'm definitely coming into my own as the fighter that I want to be and who who I know I can be. And now it's just a case of now it's just a case of holding on and waiting for the right opportunity. And I I am I have a very good feeling that it is coming and it's going to be coming very soon. Yeah, I think it's important as well for people to remember and and it's that that yeah you had your amateur you had your amateur pedigree and your amateur background. You went away from that for a little while and you had a bit of time away. And sometimes that can be sometimes that can be you might never get back from it and I think what you're saying there it, it does fit it seems to add up that you're, you're you've are you made up that lost ground now you've made up for the time that you were out you, you've got you, you're putting the blocks in place because again what normal casual fans might not see and hear and know is that there's an awful lot more goes on for the lad just to get to the fucking ring sometimes you know I mean, just for you to get into the ring can be the bigger fight than the fight on the night itself so I think you're, you, you seem to be ironing those out um, and it, it's exciting it's exciting because you've clearly got a good relationship with top rank they love your style they love who you're uh, how you bring it and uh, it's only a matter of time i think before we're starting to see in here a whole lot more you i hope so you know i mean thankfully thankfully now you know everything that's needed to, to get to where where i want to get to 
I have it, so I've been told, um, you know, and the main thing is I'm an exciting fighter to watch, which is what I've always wanted to be, and it, it, it does play into the likes of top ranks hands and people like that because, like, the day and age we're in now, you know, it's all about it's all about entertainment and and they want that there for the for the TV cameras because obviously fans at the minute aren't allowed in, and thankfully that's that's what I bring. So you know, and I'm I feel I feel good to be honest. I feel like I'm really coming into my own, and from here on out, you know, having I've done up to now has been a real learning experience because like that I did step away from boxing for a long time. You know, I think I from my amateur career to my pro career, I was out of the ring for five years. And, you know, I'm coming back after such a long time out and, you know, I just jumped into being a pro. You know, I had one amateur fight over here and the guy approached me after and says, I want you to go pro. You know what I mean? After five years out of the ring, I was only doing it for a bit of fun. Do you know what I mean? And, and this guy hits me with this offer. And it just, it just steamrolled from there. Do you know what I mean? And I've had to re- readapt and relearn and I'm at the stage now, I'm 14 fights in, I'm 11 and 3, you know what I mean? But every fight I have has been a whole new learning experience for me. It's as if I started all over again. And now I'm really starting to come back into myself. You know, the hunger, the hunger. I've never been more hungry for success. And I've never wanted something as bad as I do now. And I feel like I'm just in the perfect position to really push this forward and to really to bring this to new heights. And that's that's exactly what I intend to do. Yeah, and um, I think as well that I was shocked. I don't know why I was shocked, but when we chatted off earlier about the tickets and the sales, I mean you're a prolific ticket seller as well. So it's 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 the levels that people don't see and don't know about. As I said again, to reiterate, there's so much more to professional boxing, the business, than than anyone will ever know. If it was clearly down to just the sport and the talent and the heart, then it'd be probably too easy, wouldn't it? It definitely would, you know. People, people, people don't understand. I suppose, you know, you don't expect them to understand either. You know, most of the fans and all, they just see the blood and guts that goes into the ring. They don't see the work that goes on behind it. And really and truly, you don't want to bore bore them with it either. But you know, as a fighter, you know, this it, it's such you know the, the the hustling and haggling that you have to do in the terms of like taking on this the this this stress of ticket sales because most promoters, you know need to get something back from you other than entertainment financially what they're putting in they need to get something back and that does boil down to ticket sales you know yeah and that that's it you got to get out like i know i do it you know i get out and i hustle i haggle i i i i present myself present myself to the people i need to present myself to i offer them what i offer and that's in terms of sponsors that's for for people buying tickets you know thankfully i have a very good face-to-face relationship and that's the way I like to keep it. I, I like to get out there. I like to talk to people that's going to spend the hard-earned money to come and watch me. And I like to I like to interact with these people and show them that look, I'm 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 just a normal guy. Yeah, no, and absolutely. I and, and I suppose, Laurie, that's what people and that in itself is the USP that people would say is why they follow you, why they buy their tickets because you're Larry from you're Larry from Clonus. You, you you didn't become some big time Charlie or something overnight because you're performing fighting in Madison Square. You you stayed what you are. You stayed true to yourself, and that's what people follow, and that's what people buy into. You know, it's 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 a credit to you. Um, when we're talking about fighting and we're talking about, I suppose the current climate. I I don't like to harp on too much about it here because it's probably the hour of the day where people get away from, oh, flatten the curve and figures and everything else, and and um, it's it's tough, but. From your point of view, having had a couple of camps that uh, fights and whatever else, and it, it's a hazard of the time the fights didn't come about. But if we talk about the camps, how much different are they now when you're when you're preparing than they would have been before when you were in camp for fights? It's 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 very it's very different in the sense that look, with the day and age it is now, the amount of fights that have been cancelled through COVID has been unbelievable, you know, and especially even for myself there, you know, I've had a few cancellations because of COVID. So your whole training regime is different, you know, like the sparring, like who can you bring into your camp for sparring, you know, where do these people be? You have to kind of build a network and you have to kind of be fit to trust that these people are taking the precautions that you're taking. And it's just, it's an uncertain time. Do you know what I mean? Like, look, I was down in Vegas there back in December and... <clears throat> I done the weigh-ins, having as two hours before the fight, I get a phone call. Your opponent tested positive for COVID. 
it's 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 at the stage now where it's 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 so unfair. You know what I mean? Like until your opponent is across the ring from you, you don't know if there's a mm-hmm. fight or not. The way it is now, that that that's just the way it is. You do not know if there's an opponent or not. Are you have a fight or not? Should I say? Like I was down there to fight your man, um, R- Rodriguez, and it was just a case of weigh ins done. We faced off. Everything was good to go. Bang! I'm in the hotel room and I get the phone call. I couldn't believe it. You know, but that's the times we're in now at the minute, and it, it it's scary in the sense that you know, you don't you don't know what to expect. That's 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 pretty much it. The, the uncertainty is the scary part. Yeah. You know I mean, the fighting part, the fighting part's the fun part. Yeah, it's actually right. getting the fight that's the that's the scary part. And that is exactly it in a nutshell. It's that, and that's part. The fight to get to the the fight to get to the fight was already hard enough. So now it's just added another layer to it. But again, to your credit, it's what it's what cuts boxers. And I keep saying this, and I'm biased. Yes, I am, and I wear it happily and gladly and proudly. I am biased, but it's what cuts boxers, professional boxers, and amateur boxers because we've got a we've got a whole national team squad sat up there in Abbottstown that just do not know what's coming or going this year. They're carrying on their everyday business as if it's as if it's business as usual. But the the, the box cup in Germany has fallen out of bed now early in the year. Can we feasibly see Olympic qualifiers and all that? I don't believe so. I genuinely I think we're nowhere close to the middle of this yet. Never mind the end of it. You know. So uh, I know, like here, yeah, as hard as it is for professional fighters, at least we have some hope because mm-hmm. the TV networks are putting on the shows, so we are getting opportunities. Yes, they're very limited. But they're still there, so we have something to strive for. The amateur boxers at the minute, my heart goes out to them. Do you know what I mean? These guys are missing out so much. And it, it, it's heartbreaking to see. You know, I even know my father back in Clonus there. He runs a boxing club. They haven't been open now in, in, in I'm going to say, oh, since since before March. Yeah. That club is laying there idle. Young, young talents that they had. Having sitting there at idle, can't train, can't do nothing, and you know yourself, kids at a young age, their attention span shifts so quick unless they're doing something repetitively. And these young lads that were doing the boxing, they were showing such talent and such such drive, and now all of a sudden, because of the COVID, these guys haven't been in the gym now in the guts of uh, six months, you know. And let's be honest, when eventually the gyms do reopen. And this is gyms all over Ireland and all over the world. A lot of these young guys now might just want to go back to it because yeah. it, they've been missing out their life for so long. A new interest come along, you know. And I think I think boxing boxing will suffer a, a good bit for this, you know. Yeah. And I've seen other 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 boxers talk about it. How a lot of the amateur clubs not only have had to close for the pandemic, but have had to close full time because financially. They, they can't keep it going and that is going to fucking sorry my, sorry excuse my friend no, okay. that is really that is really going to impact that is really going to impact the future of boxing and it, it is it, it's hard it's hard it's hard to see it is but I suppose again it's each and, and, and the onus is and, and, and to take a leaf from your book and from credit a lot of the Irish fellas we see Jason Quigley's back out shortly now we see a lot of the Belfast lads we've seen Pierce O'Leary a lot of the younger lads now it's 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 it, the onus is on each each man and himself, I suppose, to get himself out there, get his runs done, keep himself busy, keep himself fit and ready, and be in a position so that when that call comes, because it will come invariably, won't it? And that's and that's what we're we're um that's what you keep trying to tell these people, tell not tell them, but that's what you keep hoping for, fellas, that they can keep themselves right because it's not easy. It's not easy for anybody. No, it's not. And I know myself, like before the bows of fight. You know, like we were in the we were in the middle of the pandemic at that stage, and I hadn't been to the gym, to the boxing gym in I think it was twelve weeks. But every day, religiously, I done my runs. In thankfully, where where I am, there was a, a a good radius that I could do a good run in, but still stay close to home. And there was a a park outside that I could go and do my shadow boxing and me skipping. Yeah. You know, but only for that. You know what I mean? There was no way I'd have been ready for the Bowser fight. Do you know and what I mean? For, and from, no from a social standpoint now, Laurie, and from a life, I suppose the bigger picture in the life and the real world and family life, yours are growing strong and I can hear them there around you. They're, they're getting bigger and stronger and that in itself is a focus that keeps you, I suppose, away from the, the, the dark side of things. 
as along with your training and all that. But from 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 a I know New York was the was the hotbed. It was really was was ground zero to use a better word at the time. How is it now? Has it eased off at all? Have they got the grips with it, or or what way are things no. now? New York at the minute now, you know, obviously there's still cases and there's still a lot of them and, and like it's, it's, it's really been drilled home We're here anyway in New York. We got to stay safe, we got to wear a mask, social distance, the whole lot. Thankfully, thankfully we are in a far better situation than, than, than Ireland and England, you know, and that that's because um, I suppose, I, I don't know why that is, but I just know that everything is still running, running normally over here in the sense that work, work, uh, shops, everything's still going but it's all because of the guidelines that were put in place way back at the start of the pandemic mm-hmm. and that are still here now and thankfully New York hasn't seen like Jesus, it was the epicenter back at the start now it has really flattened the curve to the sense that you can kind of keep going with normality to a certain extent, you know but we are very lucky over here that, this is, that we haven't had the, the re- resurgence of the, of the virus like Ireland and England have, so we are very lucky over here at the minute. Yeah, and it's a credit to the powers that be. I know there's a lot of people that criticise, and there's a lot of people had a lot of the Amazons. And America had its troubles as well. Let's let's be honest about it. They had their. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into that minefield because there's times you're scratching your head looking and you're wondering what world do these politicians live in and what, how how big when egos come. You know, when when I've spoken to the biggest, hardest, and toughest fellas who've been in the biggest wars. And and they don't have half the size of the ego these lads that that but it it it, it the mind wonders at times but the most important thing is I suppose from your standpoint um you were due to fight at the weekend but again as a result of COVID and everything else it's not it hasn't come about um for you mentally is that a I suppose it's tough isn't it it's I haven't had a couple of camps now with the fight but it, where to go from there and how do you pick yourself up from it what way do you approach it well look at the end of the day like. It's, it's, it's very disappointing when you have these things happen. But look, none of these camps, none of these camps go to waste. You know what I mean? Because every camp you're in, you're learning, you're progressing, you're, you're working on things, you're making yourself stronger as a fighter and as a person. And thankfully, thankfully, look, this cancellation of my fight is just is just another, it's just another, let's just say, it's just another wee stumbling block that I'm going to overcome. And I can see the bigger picture of where I'm going. You know, so for me, these camps are really have been a, about me progressing and me working on me. Forgot to say as well, if there is a little bit of variance in the sound quality for this episode, I'm still in between homes, not being a tradesman, not being a qualified carpenter or anything. I'm still, I'm still within touching distance of, of getting into the studio, but the roof, I got to get that pitch roof finished, and the weather has just been all over the place. So close to it. So if the sound is a little bit wishy washy and it upsy daisy. Bear with me. I promise within a week. I promise you it'll be all sorted out soon. Thanks to Larry for that. There's another example of resilience, of determination, of not letting stuff get to him. And I'm sure on the spur of the moment when, when these things happen. I mean, I'm sure he's no different to the rest of us. But it's the overriding feeling is to get back up, dust yourself down and get back at it again. So thanks Larry for that. New section coming up and then you're going to have two interviews right beside one another. It's called Boil My Frog. It's a little, I'm going to, rather than doing it constantly, I'm going to pick one thing in the week that's boiling my frog, doing my head in. And what I, might, I might open it up to the listeners as well. I might stick out a, an Instagram or a social media post on it, get some ideas from people that eventually once we get it set up. But see what you think. Close tie this week for the first Boil My Frog. Kid Galahad came close, but I'm going to give him do better, son. And maybe next time. Uh, the one headline, I guess, that I cared enough to read about and that is grinding my gears, boiling the frog, for want of a better word, is that they insert. For some reason, there's still a debate surrounding this um, amongst those um, idle rich who, who sit themselves um, in front of us for some reason. Again, I, I have to control myself. Um, I don't have an awful lot of belief, support or faith in politicians um, it's beginning to dawn on most if not all that this government will easily easily go down as the worst in a long long line of sad failures the gap between them and reality and the most of all the distance between them and the people the real people 
the everyday man, woman, child in this country is is just it's it's so vast. And why is there a debate? Why are they debating leave inserts? Because, in my opinion, the universities want their usual influx of of um, fees. And so what? Is would be my response. So what? If the universities want whatever, these aren't normal times. These are war times. Similar. The only thing you could you could compare them to is war times. Should I say? Similarly, um, nothing is as it was, and it's debatable whether it ever will be. So why is there a debate amongst a bunch of clowns who are trying to decide what the future is for our students, for our for our teenagers, and for many of these people who will form the future of the country? Why should it go ahead? What's the hurry? And if it does go ahead, why not let it go on an assessment basis and do it properly? And let the universities worry about it. It's their problem. Who cares about universities? Who cares? Because for the normal, everyday, genuine, decent humans that are going around trying to scrounge together, scrape together a few quid to go to college for their kids, you get these clowns then that are brought in to play football, hurling and ladies football and everything else and they're given free scholarships. It's disgraceful. It's despicable. But um, the one that really, I suppose, almost got the frog jumping out of the pan, this transport minister, for want of a better word, he couldn't see fit to stay awake during his government's cover-up of the mother and baby home genocide. He woke from his slumbers and he wiped the sleep from his from his horrible little sewell. And he found a voice. Imagine, he found his man's voice, his grown-up voice, and he went as far as to warn people not to book foreign holidays this summer. Now all I'm going to say about this clown. Do your job. Do the right thing. And then it won't be a problem. And then you can just go back and sleep. (laughs) Sometimes, Sometimes I just can't help myself. And sometimes I wonder about myself as well. Moving on to the important part of the episode. There's many trade phrases, cliches, buzzwords. They're used regularly in in sport, not just in boxing. They don't always fit. But what for me is beyond the shadow of a doubt is the term people's champ and that it could very easily have been created for Josh Warrington and indeed his dad, Sean. The story, the humble, unassuming and honest approach and, and they're rare in life. In everyday life, not not just in professional sport, I, you come across egos, but you believe from from office jobs somehow. Don't know how. But put that together with the fantastic bond, I guess that him that the two of them have, as coach, as son, and as friends, you've got a rare and wonderful story that many so-called experts said from the jump that shouldn't happen because Josh needed a coach, needed this, needed that. Doesn't matter what they said, what they thought, what they wanted. Because the point is, he became world champion, he became British champion, he became European champion, he became Commonwealth champion, all the way along. All together. And I started off my conversation with Sean by asking him what were his feelings on the week's events and what transpired and how it all went. And hold on to your hats. Sean O'Hagan. Yeah, yeah, mixed emotions. I mean, when you think we were looking at... um massive unification fight it was going to take place in a stadium with crowds and ring magazine belts running for good measure and you know for whatever reason it's not happened but you know we were kind of forced into a corner by IBF and we can't let one organisation dictate career paths that we've been working on for the last 20 years so we've fought everybody and every time we step in a ring we're not going to win so good for us so much for us whatever We've boxed everybody who's been put in front of us, including as mandatory in name of uh, Barry Gallard. So what we've done is we've boxed him, we've beat him yet again for the third time, um, twice as amateur, once as a professional. But, wait, you know, how many times do you let somebody who don't get their own way? Well, incidentally, shouldn't really be boxing. You know, he should have been banned for life. So let's not forget the drugs issue. His brother slipped them into his tea, so IBF said, yeah, that's okay. You can be reinstalled as mandatory yet again. You know, it, for me, that cheapens that belt. And it's a box we've already ticked. He's looking to move forward with his career. 
you know, we don't want to be working all this time, then taking two steps back because somebody's whinging, stamping the feet. That's not how careers work. Careers are about making progress and going forward. And if we have to give the IBF up, which we have done, to go the way that we wanted to go with career progressing and going forward, then you know that's what we've done. Yeah. There's no easy world titles, right? But I, as as the, as they go, this one, I suppose the route is well known. You you guys didn't have the big promotional deal. You didn't have the thing, the tickets. You're very much a people's champion. This yeah. is, that'll be what carries him over this. When you look at the route that he took to winning the title, the way he was built, we've talked about this before here. Really, yeah. really genuine hard. No gimmies, there was no padding on the record. And that's done no. to him then. So when you eventually managed to overcome Selby, beat him, won that belt, it, the whole world could see what it meant to you and him. It was, it was, it was one of those real boxing fairy tales. It, was, it had come the whole route. The very first mandatory then was Carl Frampton. That was incredible. And then Mr. Galahad himself. I, I have a lot of names I want to call him, but I'll just call him Mr. Galahad. The big issue right now, I suppose, is from, from your guys' point of view, it's so very much important to stay focused, isn't it, on this Lara guy that's right in front of you now because it could be very easy to take your eye off. Absolutely, and let, let me tell you, when we got Lara, we, know, we don't know a great deal about Lara, but I do know he's got a very, very good uh, knockout ratio. So what we've done is, if anything, we've kind of upped our game because nobody wants a banana skin, do they? We're going to treat him just the same as we treat anybody else, if not with a little bit more caution. Well, one thing that I, could, I will guarantee is this, this, and we'll be there, we'll be ready. And whether it be Lada, anybody, anybody, they're getting beat. Because we're not putting all this all this time, effort, sacrifices into boxing to let something go wrong now. So you guarantee on 13th, we'll be there all night. There's a lot of people saying a lot of things, and one in particular is doing an awful lot of talking which really bugs me because when he got in front of you and he got in front of Josh and he got in front of the, the, the fans, he seemed to lose his yeah. tongue and he relied on his on his puppet master to do all his talking for him. That's, yeah. You guys <laughs> yeah. can say what you got to say to whoever you've got to say it to. But what, what I know from speaking to you as far back as last February that this was in place. I was looking forward. We were all heading across. Everything was going to be a great night and it all came yeah. to a halt. How how difficult yeah. throughout the lockdown? I know I know myself and yourself shared Manny's a, a, a remote bottle of, of gin over the phone and everything else and we had a great laugh and we made it what we could of it. But the momentum was with Josh going into that and, and that, that was I mean, it was a big thing in boxing, isn't it? So this win over Lara of course it is, yeah. It'll lift it all again, won't it? Absolutely. Listen, if anything, you you've got to say I mean it's been a bad situation for everybody. Um unavoidable. But what you know, you've got to take pluses from these things, these setbacks. Yeah, there were momentum, but listen, I'm a firm believer in. I don't believe in ring rust. I believe in you've either prepared right or you've not. I think what you need to do is you need to stay focused and switched on, but at the same time, not overdo it. So we've had periods of rest. He's had periods with his his twins that you know he won't have had time to spend with them. It's precious time he can never get back. That makes him happy. I've just said on TalkSpot there, um, not half an hour ago, happy fighter is a good fighter. Happy, content, knows where he's going, switched on. So we'll be back and we'll be back with a vengeance. And, you know, performances you've seen so far, I'm not just saying this, we've used his time and we've used it very, very well. We've tweaked things in his training, we've tweaked things in diet, we've tweaked things in conditioning work. And I, I honestly say this with under that, You've not seen best yet. You've not seen best. I saw the glint in his eye on at the matchroom press conference last week, and usually that's saved for fight night. I saw that that sideways look. I thought, oh shit, Eddie, stay out of his way. Keep back, you know, keep away. It was um, it, you could see the hunger was there, and and I'm sure it's a culmination of frustration, and everything else. But if we talk a little bit for a few minutes, just about the um, the sanctioning bodies. They're coming to a crossroad, aren't they? They're really going to have to make a decision right now. They've had it their own way for so long. The onus now is on the champions, the belt holders, to, to make these decisions. It's not, it can't all be just one way all the time, can it? No, not really. And what's IBF done, what you've got to remember is this. It's not just about Josh and Gallard. You've got lots of fighters under them there, yeah? How must they feel right now? Because a guy who's lost to Josh, he had his shot and he lost has now been put back in front of the queue in front of all those guys. You know, for me, they've cheapened that belt. They've cheapened that belt. And how many times are people going to see this before people start saying, you know what, we won't bother. It was a lost fight, like himself and Carl. Nobody, the whole boxing world would have jumped at the chance to see Carl and Josh too. 
abs- and we'll do it in 10 years time they'd still jump at it but that one he didn't come to fight he could have been disqualified could have been disqualified had nothing bad to say on the night since then nothing but whinge it's, it's sending out a bad message you know what I think um, it, has, it was something to do with his legal team threatening IBF with legal action so I don't know but he knows he would only worth decent payday if he fought us that was his only chance of getting a decent wage right well I'm sorry but it's a fact nobody wants to see we didn't particularly enjoy the camp because you have to engage with your opponents and their management teams they want anything nice about it you know it would just like oh no do we have to do that again well no actually we don't because we've ticked that box like you can jump and stamp your feet as many times as you want but you've had your chance you lost yet again. We were consummate professionals and he were very, very proud to hold that belt. The, the strives, the sacrifices that he made to win that belt all gets taken away. Gloss has been, you know, he might as well took a big screwdriver and yeah. axed that belt to bits. You look at the route that Jazz has had to take. You look at the likes of Ryan Walsh, Liam Walsh, all those guys that sat there for years trying to earn their corn. Yeah, absolutely. I hope he gets Jazz up. He had that win over Jazz, didn't he? Wasn't that just after his power shake, wasn't it? Yeah, beat Jazza and then he got he got found out, didn't he? After he had his, his uh, magical potion that he didn't drink. No, South, South South Yorkshire tea. <laughs> PG tips. South, South Yorkshire herbal tea. Since then, Jazza's gone away. He's, he's reinvented himself and he's come back a better fighter, a stronger fighter, faster reactions. You know, Jazza at minutes absolutely flying. And for all he sat there, he said, "Yeah, just what it has got my belt." He said, yeah. Listen, that's just banter between fighters. I like Jezza, I always have. But I'll tell you now, Gallard thinks he's going to step in there and do that to Jezza again. I, I wouldn't have thought so. Looking ahead then, the Zoo fight, is it uh, Zoo can or can't Zoo or Zoo can't? Are we hopeful of seeing it very no, soon? Or we... I think Eddie's looking to do that one. Um, although he could have stepped forward and we wouldn't have been fighting Lana, would we? We'd have been fighting Zoo, but I think he's had a change of heart and I think Eddie's actually working on it, but I couldn't tell you... 100% because I simply don't know. But I think there is a fight looming for a belt kind of end of April, beginning of May. So we get past this lava guy, then we get past presuming it's Zoo, end of April, beginning of May. And then I think we're uh, really pushing them for a pay-per-view or something later on in the year. And that puts us back on track then, doesn't it? Before I let you go, to look at the camp and the stable... It's been an incredible year for, for Maxi, and I think I messaged you just before Christmas. In my opinion, he was the best-kept secret in boxing. I mean, the win over, he beat our John all last year, and then he backed it up. It's it's an incredible run for him as well, isn't it, towards the back end of his career? It is, and we're just looking for uh, something else, a decent... Well, we're looking for a big fight for him now. I mean, to be honest, if um, I think one more fight and he's worthy of a crack at title, you know, uh, I certainly think he's got beaten at Devon here, I mean, Max is just getting better and better every time he steps in the ring. Uh, and, I mean, as, as a whole, my outfit's getting better and better. I've got Reece Small fighting for yeah. a British title against Lee Wood now. Again, stepping in the ring with Josh, he's always going to get beat. Stepping in the ring with Max, he's going to get beat. Stepping in the ring with Reece Small before I'm even stepping in the ring and saying Lee Wood's going to do this to him, destroy him, it'll be so much. You know, but when are these people going to learn? You know, I know Reese he's done a lot about he's done a lot of sparring with, with the likes of Michael Conlon and they all speak very highly of him. He he's well able to bang, he's well able to move, he's better than most want to give him credit for. So this could be the, the stepping out fight for him as well, couldn't it? Reese is going out on the same bill as Josh, as you know. We're just waiting for MCK to sort something for, for Maxi now. And to be honest with you, they've been as good as the word. You know, when we fought Walsh, they said if he puts on a good performance, we'll get him out again, which they did. They said we'll right, we'll get him somewhere and they did, you know, so now he's got a little deal with him. Nothing's come easy for yourself or for Josh or for the stable or for anything else. And the big news, I suppose, if we want to wrap it up with, was the move last year with MTK and your own gym. That uh, No wonder you were able to river dance and celebrate as much as you did. It must be just nice to be able to sit back and say, look, we, start, we started this from the bottom and now we're, we're not doing too bad. We're doing all right, you know. Uh, and you know, that's what it's all about. You, you can dress it up how you want, but if your lads are good enough, then we'll get there eventually. You know, they will get there. And, you know, I've, I've got to give most of the credit to the lads how they, they apply themselves. Reese, Maxi, Josh. And new kid that's coming on board with us now, Zeeshan Khan, who's knocking up door for the Commonwealth. They're all consummate professionals, you know, they back each other up. It's the gym at the moment has got a real, real good feel.
all valid points, all spoken from the heart. And it'd take, um, y- you could probably put your own opinions into it, but when you're in the cold face, every minute of every day is spent plotting, planning, thinking, and working towards your your fighter, first and foremost, but that fighter also happens to be your son. And then you listen and see how some conduct themselves or, or, or don't. You can understand the passion and you can understand the emotion and you can understand the anger at times as well. But uh, I agree. I, I have to say I agree with to a word. And I started off, I suppose, by welcoming uh, Josh to the podcast. It was a little bit of a surprise, but it was brilliant. And I started off by just pointing out that no matter what was went on during the week, who had said or done what or what had happened or belts and everything else, that he is still very much the people's champ. No, I appreciate that, mate. Listen, I thank thank you for the support. Obviously, that bandstorm with uh, with Carl, I feel like the uh, the support from Ireland has been absolutely fantastic. And I, I, I swear, some of the support that we get shown um, is almost as good as the support I get from Leeds, if not better. You know, there's, I know there's a lot, there's a lot of um, uh, passionate Irish boxing fans, and, and and one thing I will say is as well, they know the boxing. You know, and uh, and the loyalty show is, is 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 you know the best in the world. So I can understand why people like your Carls and, and your, for instance other parts of Ireland and your Conor McGregor's and your Katie Taylors do so well because I think it's that it's the it's the humility side of it as well. Just the working class, nobody forgets where they come from, and I think that's what's carrying. As I just said to Sean there, that's what will carry through here. You can stand on your record, and you've always told the truth. You've always been straight. You've always been honest, and that's for me what speaks volumes. And I genuinely don't envy Lara. I don't envy what's coming for him. It's it's important, isn't it, to keep that focus, isn't it? Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Listen, that um, you know, this is sport, and uh, and upsets happen in sports. Underdogs come out of nowhere and and and, and make records and uh, and make headlines by causing upsets and. You know, you can easily, easily take your mind off the off off, off the off the game and and uh, and lose focus. I mean, I've never been in this situation, and I know it happens to um, other fighters and whatnot. But especially at world level, I've never been in a position where I've been four weeks out and I've had um, change of opponent, and then and then three weeks out, and then you know we've had to. You know, vacate our belt. It's been a, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, uh, you know, last few weeks. But this is where, you know, I've, I've had to sit down with my dad and, and the team. You know, sort ourselves out, give myself a slap around the cheeks and uh, cheeks and 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 hold on a minute. We've got a man still in front of us here. Mm. You know, we, we we've got a we've got someone who's going to try stop the journey that we're on. You know, I've still got a lot of business and, and goals that I want to achieve. I want, I want to go to, um, to be fighting the big names, and I want to win the Ring Magazine belt. You know, the the, the belt what establishes you as the as the real number one fighter in the world. You know, no politics about, no governing bodies and all that stuff. It's like they look about over all the champions, and they have ranked the best fighters in the world. And you only fight for the Ring belt when you when you're fighting the best. So I want to, I want to do that. I want to. You know, I'd love to win that green and gold belt with uh, what uh, Gary Russell Jr.'s got. Santa Cruz is out there, and I want to. I've got a lot of thing, other things I want to do. I want to go to the states. You know, I remember being in, over there watching Carl fight um, Santa Cruz in the rematch, and and watching these fans walking along, singing, you know, singing the songs, wearing the green and white, and and I was like, I, I want to replicate that for for my fans. And the only way that I keep that dream alive is by winning the fights in front of me. And, I, and I've said before, it doesn't matter if you've got Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck stop, stood in the opposite corner. They're trying to stop your journey. And you've still got to go out there and perform. It's not a given. You know, you, you've, you've, you've got to make it happen yourself. So, listen, I'll be firing on all cylinders. Uh... The similarities and the noise levels between your fans and his fans, I think that's what made such a special night. And then the style and the fight and everything else. It was it was oh, a special. Man, it was incredible. They're incredible fans. <laughs> Let me tell you, right, you know, when I when I walked out with Ellen Road uh, May 19th against Lee Selby, you know, that will always something be something special because I'm never good enough to play for for local Sunday League football team, never mind Leeds United. But with that being said, when I was stood at the, uh, the, the you know, the stage ready to walk to the ring against Carl and you've got Manchester Arena 
you know, half full of Leeds fans, half full of Irish fans, making the noise that it did. That, that made me very proud. That and um, and the fight that we had and all the moments after, it was, you know, their memories for life, man. And uh, you know, that will go down as one of the best nights of my career. And he's he's looking to make his own little bit of history as well. But when you're walking to the ring behind the chief, Radaby, and as a natural-born leader, to walk behind the chief, there's nowhere you wouldn't go, is there? No, this is it. It was uh, it was epic. I mean, obviously the chief there. And, uh, Obviously, we played out with the Kaiser Chiefs as well, so special, special moments, mate, special moments. And there's many more ahead of them, Josh. And maybe, maybe we might just see a fight in Ireland at some stage. They, they, you know what, that would be fantastic. That would be nice to uh, to do that one day. You know, I've got a few things on, like I say, on my me, on me, on me wish list, if you would, if your bucket list. But yeah, one of them, I've, I've, I think I've added that over the last few years, you know, especially being over in Windsor Park when I went and watched Carl fight uh, Luke Jackson. You know, just seeing that first hand, the support and... And um, and how many people had time to to shake my hand and say hello and talk about boxing? It's like it meant a lot. So and it, and it's continued since that. You know the messages we get on social media, um, you know, and the, and the fans who've travelled over since I've boxed Carl for for either the Barry fight or the Touch fight. You know they've come in the numbers. So um, you know it'd be, it'd be nice to give back and uh, and then go fight fight there one day. And there he goes. Watch that space. Watch what comes next, and believe what he's telling you. He ain't going nowhere. What a fellow. Great to chat with Sean. Great to chat with Larry. Great to chat with Josh. Not the usual ending tune, but I think it seems fitting. That's it for me and them until then. Thank you for listening. Again, I'm going to ask if you could share, spread the word the word. Do what you can. Leave a little review. The link will be below in the show notes, as will the rest of the information. Another episode coming up in a few days' time. We've got the McKenna's. We've got Jazza Dickens. We've got an endless list coming and we've got some real treats for you. But until then, stay safe, stay sane and smile. All's well that ends well.